and welcome to the Orion Open Science Podcast. I'm Emma Harris. I'm Louisa Pinkton. And we're broadcasting to you from, well, actually from Brno, Czech Republic. Yes, from SciTech. <laughs> from SciTech, one of our partners on the Orion Project. We are here at the annual conference and we just recorded an interview with Eva Mendes. She is a chair of the European Open Science Policy Platform. Yeah, and she really knows her stuff about data. She's a, a library science person as well. And um, she's she's the person to go to if you want to know about open data and metadata and so forth. So we thought we'd ask her some questions. And uh, without further ado, Eva Mendes. My name is Eva Mendez. I'm a faculty member in the Library and Information Science Department at the University Carlos III of Madrid in Spain. Um, I'm also in this university deputy vice president for research policies uh, with um, in charge of open science specifically. And also I'm currently the, um, the chair of the European Open Science Policy Platform which is a, a group appointed by the Commission that uh, deals with the, uh, how to address uh, open science policies in, in Europe. So there's many hats that I have. I'm, 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 I'm myself a researcher because I'm a faculty member. I'm, a, I'm an expert in, in, in metadata and library information science, and this is my, my research. So my research is also involved in data metadata and uh, information retrieval systems. So I'm, I'm very much concerned with open science from a technical point of view, but also with a political hat. I'm super interested about the um, European Open Science Policy Platform because I, mm -hmm. this, it comes up in all conversations and uh, you guys are doing terrific work and it's really, it's really good. I just wonder also for our listeners, so who's on the platform and what exactly are you doing? Well, the platform is a group of 25 uh, representatives. We are representing um, constituencies, institutions, groups of people. We are not representing countries. We are not representing ourselves. For example, I'm representing Jerum, the Young European Research University Network, which is uh, 18 universities, uh, young universities. Uh, we have different um, kinds of uh, stakeholders. But I think we are only 25 stakeholders. I think there are many out there. Actually, uh, the European Open Science Policy Platform account in Twitter has more than 1,000 followers now. So I always say that there are 1,000 people that they are stakeholders to there. <laughs> Definitely. And what, what are you working on right now? Well, we have been uh, working and the OSPP, uh, you know, trying to advise the commission. We did uh, uh, at the end of the first mandate, we did uh, OSPP recommendations, which is a set of recommendations dealing with the eight challenges of the open science in Europe. But now in the second mandate, uh, which is where, where I'm now the, the chair, uh, we are trying to stop what I say the recommendation mode or the declaration mode and try to move forward what I call the PCIs, practical commitments for implementation. Mm -hmm. A PCI, it is something like you at a stakeholder level 
or you with your uh, constituency, you with uh, within your institution, what can you do for a practical implementation of open science? Mm -hmm. So we are trying to transform these recommendations in practical commitment. And also right now we are working uh, on the reward system and in the indicators because we all agree upon that all the the you know the, the the main problem that open science has to make it happen is that the reward system and the incentives and the indicators the way that we measure science is pre-technological uh, so we have to move the the indicators and we have to shift the indicators and the rewards so the the researchers can move on the open science tune so that's kind that's that's actually encouraging I, I like this idea that something is actually happening that people are moving forward and uh even on the policy level there's uh um yeah i mean i hope that the outcomes uh will match the ambitions somehow um, yeah like plan s for example i mean it's uh fantastic that it happens whatever form we had a, but you know yeah Plan S, Plan S is, I always put in my slides when I explain what is a PCI. For me, Plan S is the first PCI, is the first practical commitment for implementation. We can criticize Plan S, it could be better, it could be worse. We, they receive more than uh, 2,000 um, comments and feedback, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but it's a practical commitment for implementation. It's something that we, the funders, what can we do for open science? We have the possibility to establish the way we publish, the way the researchers that we found published. So we do. This is a practical commitment for implementation. Um, you describe yourself as a militant open science uh, activist. <laughs> <laughs> in the description of a speaker profile found of you. Um, yeah, it, it is something mean? like an, an open knowledge militant. Open <laughs> knowledge militant. <Okay>. So, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a militant, not an activist. There is a difference. Oh, okay. You no? Know? Explain, please. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, for me, uh, in this kind of, uh, it's, I, I don't like to say that open, open science is a movement because means like more like an activism perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, I think open, open, open science, open knowledge, I say open knowledge in a broader way because for me, open knowledge gathers all science, all research fields, and also means open education, open innovation, open many things, you know, not only open science. But the thing that open science is the brand, it's like a branding, you know. Mm. It's a perfect brand to to name all these activities. When I say that I'm an open uh, uh, open knowledge militant, is that I, I'm working from open knowledge in the different ways, in open science, in open education, in different ways. But when I make this difference about activist and militant, an activist is something like, you know, a person that disturbs the system. I don't want to disturb the system. I want to convert the system being part of it because I'm a researcher myself. <laughs> Okay, uh, maybe we can move on to uh, more your uh, research role, so metadata, because this is something we also want to talk to you about, um, since you're mm -hmm. an expert. Um, for example, uh, so metadata, that comes in mind when talking about open data. 
what is metadata and why it is important? Well, metadata is, uh, is uh, as, it, uh, as it is uh, the name uh, of, uh, the, the, the name says what it, what it is, data about data, mm -hmm. right? information about information, is that it's those data that they describe the information or the data to uh, better understand and make it more uh, uh, useful, you know, for me, metadata is a way of make useful data. If you don't have metadata, you have only raw data or raw information, uh, you don't have a very useful way to explode that information. So it's a way of converting data in a more usable um, um, asset, you know. Mm -hmm. Could you um, could you just give an example of what um, metadata might kind of look like? You know? the, the simplest example of metadata is the, descript the description of a book. The author, the title, the um, the topic, the subject, all this uh, information about the book is metadata about the book that can describe the book without the book itself. You can't retrieve that book because of the metadata. This is the simplest example. And if we go through the data environment or the fair data, uh, the metadata is the 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 information that describes the data to make them reusable and the information that they describe the data to make them uh, findable. For example, if you, if you are describing, um, I mean, for example, uh, data from Earth, you have to describe the, the geospatial information to, to really uh, identify those data to make them reusable. Mm -hmm. I see. That would be a good example. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. That's um, yeah, no, that's a really good example. Um, okay, so so we know what metadata is, and we know why we need it. But um, what's what's important about making data findable? Um, why why should scientists share their data? Well, that's a, that's a very good question because uh, one thing is that. Um, Open, it doesn't mean uh, necessarily uh, fair. Fair is findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable, which is the, the four features that they have to have the research data. But not necessarily the being fair means being open, because you can um, open is a question of licensing at the end. You know, the, the, the open of, uh, of knowledge or the open of software, the open of uh, publications is a way that they have to be um, freely available and reusable in, in terms of licensing. But um, I think uh, nowadays we, we the, the, the nice idea of open science, including open data, is the same principle that happened with publications. If you have a publicly funded research, those outcomes should be back to the public. So data, research data is an outcome of research and it should be back to the public. But then of course you have all these people saying, well, but I work with patient data. I work with uh, sensitive um, ethnicity, anything, people's data. Uh, yeah. Um, so how can I make it open? How can I license it? 
that's that's I'm laughing because I'm exactly now dealing with a project. I'm a partner in a project which is called Fair for Health. And we are exactly now dealing with the work package that we are identifying barriers of uh, sharing data, cultural and behavioral issues, uh, also, um, of course, privacy issues. The GDPR, the, the regulation of protection of privacy, is very tough on this. So what is the, the, what are the information that you can share or not share? Uh, the point is that uh, when you when you talk about health data, they are the more um, uh, sensitive data, you know, in two ways. They are the more sensitive because sometimes they they uh, evoke patients, and also there is very sensitive because they are the the data that we expect people to share to discover new um, new developments to make. Uh, healthier society. I mean, if, if my research has it as an outcome, for example, metadata, if I don't share my metadata model or my theories or whatever, uh, the cancer will not be discovered of a scene. But, you know, but if you don't share the, the health data, it is a, a big problem because it's based on, we want to, to, to evolve the, the health based on the data, you know, but it's very sensitive in both ways because in one hand, you want to preserve the privacy of the, of the patients, but uh, in the other hand, you want them to be shared because it's, it will be a huge evol evolution of the, of the research if you, if you can um, uh, address uh, new research based on the previous data. But, what's so, the but this is, I agree that it's the most uh, difficult way. Do you have a solution? We don't have a solution. Well, uh, of course, we, we are working on, on the, um, on the uh, guidelines to make the, the policies at the institutional level. So I think the research, health research institutions, for example, they have to establish the policies and how they are going to make the the data shareable, in which con in which context, to whom. Uh, for example, thinking of privacy, you have to think about anonymizing the the privacy data. In terms of um, of uh, sharing the 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 patient's data, you have to to be sure that it, they cannot be identified. So this is the, the, the solutions or the ways that we are working now on, on, on this uh, field, you know. But do you also, we had, uh, Emma, uh, Emma and I and a couple of scientists from MDC, we had this uh, workshop recently, well, that's also a year ago, but okay. Um, when we're discussing the public, so basically, if you ask someone, uh, would you share your genome uh, sequence online? Um, yeah. People usually say, uh, no. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you ask people if they Google the health symptoms, um, like they disease, whatever they have symptoms, um, and they just Google it, um, people say, yeah, of course. Um, and yeah. actually, they can argue, okay, which data is more revealing about your health status, your genome, or um, your Google search. Um, so I wonder, do you do you deal with this kind of um, discrepancies in people's perception of privacy as well regarding data or I mean how do you how do you approach the the privacy the um, 
what is the private health data basically? Well, I think that the privacy is one of the of the main issues of uh, health data. I think in Orion, in the project, you are dealing also with uh, health data. I mean, I mean oh, health uh, field. At, at, it's, it's true, right? You yes, are yes. health institutions involved in Orion. I think the privacy is is uh, is something that is a right. You know, you have the right to be to have uh, your privacy. But I always put an example when when you go to a university hospital, you uh, you have uh, three or four students looking at your problem. You know, so and you know and you know that it's going to happen and you. Uh, you allow them to look at, at, at your case for the advance of the science. For example, you are pregnant and you have three students looking at you <laughs> on top of the, of the doctor. So why you are not, if you, if you have this kind of, uh, um, you know, you, you, you are the boat with, your, with, the, with science and if you have this kind of, um, Behavior on 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 behalf of the evolution of the scientific discoveries or the education of new doctors, why you cannot uh, have a permit? I mean, for example, signing that you you are sharing, uh, you are okay with sharing your your data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think studies have shown that if you ask people if they're willing to share their data for research, they're, they're usually quite yeah. positive about it, as opposed yeah. to big companies where they're, they're not. But the irony is, of course, yeah, exactly. we, we give away all our data to big companies like Google, and but the researchers in universities have to abide by much stricter um, ethical yeah. protocols. So it's, that's the, that's the, it's, it seems to be backwards to me. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I used to work in ethics, so I, I know that some of the issues of which you you know you, you're kind of um, dealing with. Um, I mean, so yeah. for, for you, how would research data be treated in an ideal world? If you could, if you could be militant and be have your revolution in open data, <laughs> <laughs> what would what would it look like when the dust settles? That that's a fantastic uh, question. How would be the ideal world? Uh, I think the ideal world would be that you share research data and you also um, gather the privacy when it's needed. You, uh, you have the perfect um, description of the data so everybody is happy. You can reuse the data in a, in a very wise way. You have... A, uh, infrastructure, for example, EOS, the European Open Science Cloud, where you can go there and have all the perfect data and you know who is the owner of the data. And if there are some data that they are protected, you can deal with the protection, you can deal with the privacy. In an ideal world, it will be all working together. All the pieces will match. But we are still far away from the ideal world. So we are just working on how to deal with this and how to to balance, you know, issues like privacy uh, or protection or, um, you know, these kind of things with the, with the evolution of, uh, of research. What is the main, main problem right now? Not, well, maybe not problem, but what's the main barrier to uh, the ideal world you just described? <laughs> well... Uh, from, well, the technical issues, they are 
uh, you can overcome technical issues. We are in a moment that uh, we have uh, technical uh, developments and, and, and this is not a, an issue. I think it is going to be possible. But I think the main barrier of um, uh, research data and also open science in general, the main barrier is the reward system. It's always the bottleneck because the researchers, they don't have any reason, you know. Uh, when you are a researcher, you have a lot of things to do. And you publish because of the publish of Paris, you know, because you know that your career is based on that. But you don't have time and you don't have any reason to share your data. Why I will share my data? I share my data if the funder asks me to do it, you know. I share my data if they have a, a particular reason to do it. And one of the reasons to, to motivate the researchers to share the data is that the data belongs also to the reward system. The better you, you share your data, the better um, acknowledgement you will have in your uh, career assessment. That would be fantastic. But nowadays, uh, data, they are not included as a, you know, as a value of, a, um, of, um, of the academic career. So we don't have time and we don't have, and also we need help because I always say that the researchers, they have to do research. And at the end, uh, you are doing a lot of things around. So you need good data stewards to help the researchers to manage those data. So I always come back to this, right, when we do the interviews, it's the incentives and the knowledge, basically, the support, knowledge as in, yeah, support, knowing how to do things and having the support to be able to do those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, paradoxically, I must say, it did just occur to me that um, scientists, and I was one for a long time, are very happy to use other people's data. So we're very happy if you find yeah. data from other people. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just a yeah. problem of making own data available. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and also we are we are there are a lot of studies. I'm just thinking on on Carol Tenopier, that is a researcher from University of Knoxville, uh, Texas in Knoxville, and she she was uh, doing this uh, you know surveys with a lot of uh, researchers, and there are many reasons that the researchers they don't share data. Sometimes it's because they don't have uh, enough. Um, cool data, you know what I mean? Mm. For example, I always put this example, if you go to my house and I'm in a, in a, I'm not well dressed up, I will not like to open the door, you know? I will open the door when I'm dressed up and, and I have a nice makeup or whatever. You, you, don't, you don't have your data makeup or well dressed up, you don't want to open the door, you know? Because sometimes we, we only use the data in, and at home. We are not prepared to, to, to share the data because sometimes they are not uh, prepared enough or they are not good enough or you don't, you don't dare to share them because you think that they are not enough cool, you know? It's, it's very, very interesting that how the, the researchers, they don't share the data for different reasons. And, and, and this is one of the curious ones. That's interesting. And also, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, sometimes basically also people just don't know that they have data in their hands, right? I mean, many of yeah. the data researchers yeah. produce, they don't think it's data. They think it's just, uh, yeah, uh, some failed whatever that just goes. In, you know, exactly, exactly. And also, you know that... Love journal. Yeah. Uh, 
And also think about this, because all the, the scholarly publication system and all the academic uh, uh, system is based on positive results. All the failures are in, in, in computers, in labs, in whatever, but people don't share those data if they are not um, positive. And I think we will save a lot of money if we share the failure. So you, you, you prevent somebody to do the same experiment that doesn't work. You've got 20 different people in 20 different labs, they all do the same experiment, and then, but, you know, if the first one had shared that it was failed and it didn't work, then you would save a lot of time. Um, exactly, and a lot of money, public yeah, money, if it, is exactly. a, if it is a publicly funded research, it should be, um, before you start a research, you should go to the failure box <laughs> of a failure um, a repository of data and check if something somebody did before, you know. Yeah, I like the idea of a failure box, like lost and found, like a junk kit, you know. Um, yeah. The non-party trust data in the failure box. Yeah, the failure box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's 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 to make a t-shirt, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can make t-shirts with that. Failure <laughs> box. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I thought she um, made some really good points, um, particularly about the um, the way scientists maybe don't feel comfortable sharing their data because it's not pretty enough or cool enough or whatever. Like th she used the analogy of not yeah. you know, the makeup thing. Yeah, I, I never I never thought about it like this actually. Uh, that's one of the um, obstacles we've never actually identified so far. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in in the um, in the context of open science, we always talk about barriers, barriers and uh, drivers. And well, this is a barrier that's kind of easy and not so easy to fix because it takes time and effort. Yeah, and it's also an internal thing. You're you're, you're trying to change the way people are perceiving their own work and the fear of the um, other people's opinion, which is obviously a very big. Um, barrier in a lot of different things but we hadn't actually thought of it so that was really useful yeah uh, yeah it kind of ties back to the you know the very first episode we did on careers and uh, and open science sure. careers in science and open science and we also talked about um how uh many people feel like imposters um Syndrome, that, yeah. they, that they don't really like when they finish the phd they're only well, qualified to do science but not really and yeah um and this would be kind of sort of the same thing right i mean yeah. so uh, my data isn't good enough to share. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I definitely think that's um, that's an issue. And I mean, also what I thought was really interesting, and I mean, I've been doing this stuff for a while and I actually hadn't thought that fair and open are not the same thing. Findable and accessible is not necessarily open. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's this uh, licensing problem that we bump into yeah, all the time. Sure. We should really do an episode on APR and um, patenting and licensing. We should, we should. But yeah, um, fair and open, not necessarily synonymous. So that was a, a really good take-home message, which I will definitely be spreading in the workshops, I think, because there's a lot of confusion about that, mm -hmm. including in my own head, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that okay. was great. Yeah, it was great to talk to her. Okay, Emma, so let's work on finding someone um, that we can talk to um, about fair, open, licensing, yes. patenting, intellectual property in uh, science um, and data. 
ASAP. ASAP. <laughs> so if you know someone who is an expert in those issues and would like to hear about, uh, from them on the show, please contact us at orion at mdc-berlin.de. Yep, or you can uh, just tweet us or, or message us directly on Twitter. Uh, so that's um, OOSP underscore OrionPod. And also we're on uh, Podbean if you want to subscribe to that and you can leave a message on there. Yes, actually, yeah. And people started doing this. Really mm. cool. Yeah, yeah. We have comments. Um, okay, so that was it for today. The sound editing is being done by Paolo Oliveira, our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful sound mixing person. Yes. Amazing. Without him, no podcast, definitely. Thank you, Paolo. And this time we did switch our phones off. It's a message to you. Um, and yeah, um, the music was produced um, by Fabio de Miguel. This podcast is brought to you by the uh, Orion Open Science Project. Uh, find us more. Find out more about the project um, at uh, the website. Just Google Orion EU Project, Open Science Project. And um, yeah, doing lots of cool stuff. And, uh, uh, thank you for listening. And we will um, join you in a couple of weeks. See ya. Bye.